0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. I want you to go through the whole Quran with me. Join me at at bayina.tv. فتقبل مني إنك أنت العليم شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أما بعد. once again everyone so today inshallah we're gonna to try to discuss some more things about Ali Ibrahim and Ali Imran and maybe get up to ayah number uh, thirty five Uh, The thing that's really important to understand in some of these passages is what what you can call biblical subtext. In other words, the audience that Allah is speaking to is somewhat familiar with or maybe thoroughly familiar with the Bible. They're familiar with the Old Testament and Allah is speaking to them based on the knowledge they already have of previous scripture. So we saw a lot of that in Surah Al-Baqarah and we're going to see some of that especially dedicated uh, in particular, not exclusively, but particularly dedicated to... uh, the Christian audience that came into contact with the Prophet wasallam. It's also important to note that in the Qur'an, Allah is not talking to all Christians universally all the time. Uh, there are variations of Christianity, there are strands of Christianity, there are strands of Judaism that the Prophet came into contact with, sallallahu alayhi wa And the Qur'an addressed their particular school of thought, if you will. So it wasn't, dis- for example, discussing Catholicism or the Protestant school or evangelical Christians and things like that. It wasn't in that context that some of this discourse was revealed. There's these particular brands of, you know, or strands of Judaism, strands of Christianity that the Qur'an was dealing with very, very directly. An example of that is the, the Jews in the Qur'an, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودِ عُزَيْرٌ ibn اللَّهِ The Jews say that Roseid that is the son of Allah. The vast majority of Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews, and like the vast majority of schools of Jews don't believe that Uzaid was the son of Allah. But there are strands of Judaism, some of them are found in the Arabian region, that actually did hold that view. So you, have to, you can't say, well the Qur'an is wrong, because the Jews don't believe that, and the Qur'an said that it's dealing with the group that it's physically engaged with. This is also important because the, um, the the Mushrikun of Arabia had a strange sort of theology also. They mixed religions together. So they knew some things about angels, they knew some things about prophets, they knew some things about Ibrahim, they knew some things about different mythologies as they traveled and did trade. They knew some things about Christianity and Isa. Some, some mushrikun of Arabia even considered Isa salam an angel. And So all kinds of views were mixed together. And so a lot of times the Qur'an is clarifying issues based on the confusions that exist in front of them. And in doing so the Qur'an, the universal lesson of the Qur'an is that we have to be clear about who are we talking to and what confusions do they have. And then how to address that. That's the legacy also left by the Qur'an. By dealing with each group in this you know, in, the, in this specific way. In any case, the, the, the focus today is Al-Ibrahim and Al-Imran, before we go any further. And Al-Ibrahim is important, the family or the legacy, fam- the family legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam, because up until now, for the most part in the Qur'an, in Mecca Qur'an, the role of Ibrahim alayhi salam predominantly, again, not exclusively, but predominantly occurs as someone who championed Tawheed. That only one Allah should be, one God should be worshipped and shirk must be abandoned and i'm willing he's willing to do uh, and go through any trial in his loyalty to allah as you start seeing the mention of ibrahim alayhis in medina and quran <coughs> in surah al-baqarah surah, in, in this surah in a, in a few other surahs you're going to notice ibrahim alayhis salam playing a slightly different role and that is the role of the father of those who believe the paternal role the patriarch of the of those who believe who made who prayed for his coming lineage Right, and this was—it's important for us. Of course, we know those duas of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Wa min you know, Rabbi salati that's, that's Even though that's Makkah, but that's a brief allusion. There's more of that in Medina and Quran. But for the Christians and and the Jews, but right now the Christians, that stuff is really important. And we're going to see why that's important. I'm going to share some some biblical research stuff with you, InshaAllah, today. Another important thing to note about Ibrahim alayhi salam is that uh, scholars like Tilman Nigel and others have actually held the view that even the Mushrikun of Arabia, they actually believed in Ibrahim alayhi salam as the founder of the Kaaba already. Like that wasn't something that the Christians believed about Abraham and the sacrifice, the story of the sacrifice. But it's something that the Arabs held for a long time. And these Western scholars in, in discovering that have actually not realized that they've helped the Muslims quite a bit. Why? Because a lot of Christians believe that the son to be sacrificed was uh, Isaac. Right? Not, not Ismail. They consider Ismail actually an illegitimate child Ma'adullah. And so can't, he can't have a blessed lineage, right? Um, but interestingly enough, the Arabs have had for thousands of years, even before you know their exposure to Christianity, They've had the tradition, now this has been researched, they've had the tradition of sacrificing the animal, performing Hajj, and attributing that to Ibrahim and Ismail. Like they've had that tradition. They mixed shirk with it, they did all kinds of other things with it, but why in the world would Arabs in the desert, with no outside influences, be celebrating this tradition and sacrificing, in the name of their father Ibrahim, and that's something Allah actually cites, you know, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَانْحَرْ you're supposed to cleanse that tradition. They have salah and they have nahr. But you have to revive that. Fal In the same surah, right? Or, or the same vicinity of surahs. Why? Because they should, the Rabbahad al-bayt is a reference to Ibrahim salam, okay, The master of this house, this house being the house built by Ibrahim salam. So in doing so, it's actually establishing that the son to be sacrificed, and that's the biblical stories, if you will, is actually about Makkah research that hasn't yet been done, and it's interesting, perhaps somebody will take it up, is actually the the view of the Christians living in Medina. The Christians and Jews that lived in Medina, and what was their view of the Kaaba, And what was their, because they came into contact with the story of the Kaaba. It's also known in some accounts that there were Christians living in Medina that had letters from their ancestors, like a letter from their ancestors passed on many generations, that from what we've studied, a Prophet is coming here. Wait for him, don't leave this city. He'll come here. And actually one of the Sahaba, when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, handed him the letter and said, I've been we've been waiting here for a long time for you. So essentially they saw that as a fulfillment of what was already prophesized. Right? So the the even the Christians or the people of the book of before, they have some connection to the region, even though Jerusalem is not physically that far away but they have some association with this region and that's these are important things to understand because that plays a role in the centrality of the Kaaba and therefore the, the the real legacy of Ibrahim alayhisalam who owns that legacy inna awlan nasi bi ibrahim is the phrase that's going to be used here the people that have the most right to ibrahim alayhi salam, right so that's an important uh, you know under undercurrent in a lot of this text then when ibrahim alayhisalam made a, the dua for uh, you know, Mecca, and it to be a prosperous city. It's interesting that in the Bible, there's an alternative prayer. It's called, I'm, I won't read the prayer off to you, but you, you can look it up in your own time, inshallah. It's called the consecration of the Temple of Jerusalem. And it's, uh, you know, uh, according to Solomon, and it's something that, you know, uh, Abraham prayed, Ibrahim alayhi salam prayers for Jerusalem, and its prosperity. And you would think, it's e- almost exactly the same thing, but in our case it's being the prayers being made for the city of Mecca. Right? And some argue that perhaps that was changed. Some Muslims argue that may have been changed that originally that was Mecca, but they didn't want it to be Mecca. You know, and there, there's some research to suggest that too, like by Imam Hamiduddin Farahi Rahimahullah, ta'ala, But the idea is if a Christian was listening to the Quran and he was listening to the prayers of Ibrahim for the city of Mecca, they would actually remember the prayers of Ibrahim associated with Jerusalem. And say, wait, this sounds all, all too familiar. There's the, that parallel is, is uh, drawn. The other important thing with Ibrahim salam is the prayer uh, that Ibrahim salam made. He said, what about all of my children? min And in the consecrational prayer that the, the Christians have, and the Jews have, especially the Christians believe that the children of Abraham were somehow chosen and saved. They're the saved children. And Jews, Jews held on to that view, of course. This concept was called zakhut in their, evot in their tradition, ancestral merit. That's how it translates, ancestral merit. That the Israelites share in the special rank and privilege of the patriarch, meaning Abraham, merely by being descendants from them. Just by being Abraham's children, they are chosen, special. Of course, the Qur'an then, you know, this thing that they're chosen can mutate. It can get, it's, it's nice to believe that we're chosen. Like we believe that, that we're chosen. Like Allah chose us to be the Ummah of Muhammad. So it's not a bad thing to believe that. But when it mutates, what does it turn into? We're the children of God and we're the most beloved of God. There's no way He's going to punish us. Right? And it's interesting that in the Quran, Allah made it clear Ibrahim wanted this special rank for all of his children and he said, No. My, my promise doesn't extend to wrongdoers. So it's in a sense, the Qur'an is actually taking that concept of, of, zikhoot, of what the ancestral merit, and it's cleaning it up. The Qur'an is cleaning it up from the tongue of Ibrahim a.s. And Allah is saying, no, I didn't give that open license that all of you are blessed. No, the ones of you who do wrong are not blessed. That's not gonna fly. And so the, the original prayer and the original dialogue with Ibrahim is being, again, revived, restored. The Christians call it, it's being retold. As if the Quran is doing a creative retelling of the story. Our view is the Quran is actually going back and telling the original. It's interesting in the ayah of the Quran, they didn't just say we're the children of God. They said we're the children of God and the beloved of God. Abna wa which is a really interesting parallel because in the Quran, Haula Abna Ibrahim, la Ibrahim. Like in the Quran's account, they may be children of Abraham, but he does not necessarily love them if they do wrong. And by extension, you might think you're blessed by God, but just because you're from that lineage, you, even your father is not uh, happy with you. He stopped praying for them. He prayed for the children who would believe. You know, Warzuk ahlahu man minhum billahi He qualified it as if the ones who don't believe, he doesn't care. So that's an important, uh, you know, uh, undercurrent in the text. Also, I'll cite something from the Bible. This is going to sound awkward to you because the word circumcision is being used quite a bit in this passage. This is a. Uh, uh, attributed to Ibrahim salam, it's in Romans 4 Uh, and even though this might sound a bit abstract to you, at the end it will make sense why I'm making reference to this Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after but before and he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who but believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness may be, might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are the circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps. Also the father of the circumcised, who not only are the circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This is Paul talking about circumcision as a sign of those who believe. Right? And circumcision is a big thing in Jewish tradition. And of course, it's, it's made its way into Islam also. The reason this is important, uh, Paul by the way, later on, because it's such an emphasis on circumcision, later on he said, circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Because he didn't want that applied to himself, so he kind of... <laughs> so that's also later on. But anyway, <laughs> the reason this is important is because the Qur'an describing the religion of Ibrahim, it uses the term Millet Ibrahim. Right? Uh, on a number of occasions we found Milta Abikum Ibrahim or Milta Ibrahima Hanifa. In Hebrew, barit Milat is the covenant of circumcision. It's actually con- literally considered the circumcision or the, the covenant of Ibrahim. The term is barit Milat. And so the word circumcision doesn't just refer to that ritual, it actually refers to the contract between him and Allah, which the Quran then calls mila. So when they hear the word mila and Ibrahim together, they're actually also thinking, we think religion of Ibrahim. When a Jew was hearing this, when a Christian was hearing this, they were actually from the original Hebrew Bible being reminded of the original agreement between God and Abraham, by the same exact, even the, the closely related root letter, mem, waw, lam, and mem, lam, lam. In the Hebrew equivalent, is actually circumcision, and in our in, in, in our world, it's actually uh, religion. So milleta abikum Ibrahim. And by the way, that was these rituals were the way of someone being entered into a religion back in the day. It was these rituals that were kind of a form of shahada or a form of, you know, uh, baptism and that sort of thing. Then the interesting thing about Ibrahim alayhi salam that's uh, worthy of note is that uh, you know Ibrahim alayhi salam slaughtered an animal when the sacrifice was replaced with his son was replaced and Allah told him to sacrifice an animal instead. That became a sunnah of Ibrahim alayhi salam and a mark of the people who follow the Abrahamic tradition. Interestingly enough, the Jews. After seventy years after they rejected Isa and the temple was destroyed the second time, from that point on the Jews completely abandoned animal sacrifice. They actually no longer engaged in any animal sacrifice. The tradition of Ibrahim alaihissalam was utterly discontinued, and this is um, something only restored and correctly restored by the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu Again, a mark. Uh, that which you yourselves abandoned, of Ibrahim is being restored. So this was also a message being sent to them. Uh, then in these ayat we saw, ذرية baduha بَعْضٍ ba'd. I'm, I'm jumping ahead to Al-Imran, I'll, I'll get to Al-Imran in a minute, but I want to emphasize the word ذُرِّيَّ. ذُرِّيَّ I, I told you means offspring, and children's, 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 children, long generations down the road. They they had offspring one of the other, but the, the word Zuriya in Arabic comes from Zara, and Zara means seed, and Allah told Ibrahim عليه السلام that you know that from his seed will come great many nations. Like the biblical account is the seed of Abraham is very important, and Allah particularly instead of using any other word, use the word Zuriya which goes to Zara which goes to seed, right? So there's these undertones that are really cool. Uh, and for anybody who was you know an astute student of the Bible, like a, a pay, attention paying student of the Bible, these wouldn't be lost on them. They would actually catch wind of that. Uh, I, I've talked to you about the meaning of the word Ibrahim before. I'll remind you of Abramham, Avramham. There' the three components of the word. It's not an Arabic word. And basically it means the leader of many, the leader of many, okay? And the Qur'an basically describes him as the leader of many when the Qur'an says, إِنِّي جَعِلُكَ nasi imama," That I'm going to make you a, a leader over all of mankind. Paul is saying what? That he leads the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Basically saying the Jews and non-Jews. That's what Paul is saying. And basically Paul is saying you don't have to be a Jew to now be a people of, from the people of Abraham. He was using that as a basis to then eventually talk about you don't need to be from the religion of the Torah to be a follower of Jesus. So He was going to take that next step. But we're not, we're not going there. Uh, let's talk about it, Imran now a little bit. Um, the word Imran, I'll, I'll read something. This is from um, Abdul Rauf who looks at the, orig- the origins of words that are not Arabic uh, that are found in the Quran and traces their original meanings. And sometimes those meanings, you know, obviously everybody's name means something, your name has a meaning, my name has a meaning. When Allah Azza wa gives names in the Qur'an or mentions names in the Qur'an, sometimes they are physical, actual names, and other times they are titles. And it seems if you appreciate that, then you'll see that sometimes the names of some certain Prophets, or the names of certain individuals, may not just be names, may actually be a title or a quality that's being described through that name. But we wouldn't know that because we don't know that foreign language. Right? So it's important to go back to the, the uh, original meaning of the word. So the name Imran is originally Hebrew, likely pronounced Amram or Amran. So there's an M at the end or an N at the end, both ways that it's pronounced. In Hebrew, In Hebrew, An and Am are interchangeable suffixal augmentatives, meaning at the end you can add Am or An, and it's interchangeable. Okay? A, a, a parallel to that in the, in the uh, Arabic language is in Tanween, you say un or an or in, right? And there are some tribes of Arabs that didn't add un and in; they added um, am, im. Like their tanween was a meme at the end instead of a noon at the end. Okay, so when so one of them came to the Prophet and asked a question in their dialect, he said hal minam bir fim am fim safar. What he was asking was hal min The lam was replaced with meme in his case. The lam and meme became. And the Prophet responded in his dialect, laysa minam bir fimsi fimsafar. Which is his response, min al Birri, But he replaced it with a meme. So sometimes letters are interchangeable by dialect. So he's saying that the Imran or Amram, as mentioned in the Bible, are interchangeable. Uh, Hebrew scholars considered the name Amram to be a combination of Am, which means people, uh, and nation or nation. Um, from the trilateral Ayn Mim Mim, the closest to that in Arabic, Ayn Mim Mim, to be common, which is, umum is also common in Arabic, right? Amma to be common. So common people. <coughs> and from Ram, which means to be high or exalted, the root letter's equivalent would be RWM, Rawaw and Mim, to be high or to be exalted. Thus they concluded that Amram meant the people of the Most High. Amram literally means the people of the Most High. In reality, the name Amram is the Hebrew equivalent of the Arabic name Imran in both etymology and semantic denotation because they are both from the same common root letters, Ayn, Mim, and Ra. This is important. So, this is what the Jewish scholars believed it means people of the Most High. But he's disagreeing and saying actually, Ayn, Mim, and Ra in Arabic, that's the root letters, and Ain, Mim, and Ra, the equivalent letters of that in Hebrew are the same and their meanings are the same. So actually, there's a common commonness between Imran as understood in Hebrew and as understood in Arabic. And this is going to play a role in how we understand this person's role in life also. Amara, which means to serve, to wait on, to look after, to tend to, particularly a sanctuary or a house of worship. Which is why Allah says, مَا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يَعْمُرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّه, Same root origin from Imran, Amara, يَعْمُرُوا so he says, it is not appropriate for people who do shirk to be serving, the, or maintaining the house of Allah. إِنَّمَا Masajid Allah, The one who maintains, develops, serves, builds the houses of Allah, the masajid of Allah. So Imran, in their tradition, in, Hebrew, in the Hebrew sense, someone who serves the temple. In our sense, the one who does, you know, Imran of the house, or Umar of the house, actually someone who takes care of the house to take care of to develop okay So by the way, it's, it's, it's interesting this word is also used for how we're supposed to tend to the earth <laughs> Allah says he, he placed you on the earth to take care of it, to tend to it. you know how you like someone who takes care of the masjid is always looking for something to clean up. Are always wiping things down, or always putting things in their place, like making sure the house of Allah is always perfect. This is the idea of ta'meer or isti'mar. The modern Arabic meaning of isti'mar is colonization, which has nothing to do with the classical. Which is also another reminder why classical Arabic should be studied, and not confused with, you know, error tools or something. They're, they're worlds apart. You can't look at the meaning in an app and think that this is what the Qur'an is saying. Those, those are not the same thing. In any case, Imran, the the house of Imran is important because in Jewish tradition, and then eventually in Christian tradition, the early, early Christian tradition, taking care of the temple was a sacred duty. And people, the most special people in the community were assigned service to what we call the masjid, they called the temple, they called it the synagogue. But this was a, a, a special place. You don't, not just anybody gets to be there. And you know, they use the term priests of the temple, you know, the high priests of the temple, priests not in the Christian sense, but in the Jewish sense, meaning the, the, the ones who studied the Torah and taught it and did engaged in the acts of worship and all of that stuff, those people were actually, in a sense, people of Imran. And so the, the word Imran is being used to describe this person. Now there's a there's quite a bit of a story surrounding him, this this person in the in the Bible. And uh, he's about to be mentioned, well, ala Imrana alamin uh, Imran I told you is the father of Musa salam. I already mentioned that to you before that Allah decided that his house should be served and his temple should be served by Imran, now we have the Kaaba, right we have the Kaaba and at the time of Musa salam, there was no like you Kaaba know, sense actually and the temple was a moving thing it was actually the remnants after Musa a.s. What was what was left behind by Musa a.s. in the tabut wa alu Musa wa alu Harun tahmiluhul malaika. What Allah refers to, that tabernacle they call it. They this tabut was something moving, and they would their Kaaba would move with them. They, that would move with them. But the ones who would take care of it, and every time they stopped, they built a tent around it and an area of worship around, it, and all of that. That's actually the people of Imran. And so, one this this person, this name became sort of a title, and this is a, a the other under an underlying theme that in Christian culture we have to understand: when somebody historically was important, then later on people called the person who plays the same role as them their name, like you are reliving that person's legacy. So, lots of people were called Emran. Uh, and the, the the family of Imran starts with Musa alayhi salam and for the Jews it ended and by the time Isa alayhi salam came, the legacy had already died out. There was no more. There, there was no more of that legacy. Just Zakaria alayhi salam and that's pretty much it. Zakariya and maybe Yahya عليه, even Yahya السلام, they, they rejected. But Allah is going to now illustrate to the Jews and then tell the Christians that unlike the Jews who rejected the final chapter of the family of Imran. Allah doesn't that Allah actually accepts Maryam as part of the sacred family of Imran part of the same legacy not just not just from a a genealogical like a descendants biologically but you're carrying the same legacy you know for for Christians being from the same bloodline is one thing but actually also has some spiritual meaning which is why Zakaria alayhi salam for example la tadarni fardan you know, and You don't leave me behind alone. You're the best one who who gives inheritance, and you're the best who who's left behind to inherit. But he actually he was worried. In Mawaliya bin warai, I'm worried about the inheritors that will come after me. So this idea of family tradition being left behind, those who will not just carry my blood, but actually also carry the tradition that's supposed to be carried, for the for the Jews that ended, and Maliam is actually an embarrassment to that tradition. Isa is an embarrassment to that tradition. Allah now comes to the defense of Maryam and Isa, and in doing so, He softens the hearts of Christians. Because as far as the Christians are concerned, what the Jews have to say about Maryam and Isa is horrible. It's a terrible thing what they have to say. And now, actually, the Quran is aligning itself in at least, the, not in worship, but at least in honoring that family and considering them part of the larger family of Imran. And that's that's an important thing that Allah Azawajal did here by, by making reference to Al Imran Al Alamin. When the Christian when the Jew heard this, they did not think of Maryam, Al Imran, they thought of everyone up until Maryam, because that's the part they reject. When the Christian heard this, they're like, I wonder if they're going to do the same things as the Jews did. Over all other nations of the world. That zuriyatun And then again, the reference that they are offspring, seed, one of another. Wallahu alim, and Allah is all hearing, all knowing. And you'll notice these names of Allah occur often when it, when people make dua about future generations. There's, there's a uh, the theme in the Quran of Allah being called a sami and al-alim on the tongue of Ibrahim salam, on Zakariya salam. Here you're gonna find, you know, the mother of Maryam. salamun when she's making dua about, you know, the future offspring, generations, coming generations, and Allah all, Allah being all hearing, Allah being all knowing, is an important name to mention. And of course, I think I, I mentioned this to you in the Baqarah series, um, Ibrahim alayhi salam made this dua, and um, when he was building the house along with his son Ismail. And actually, uh, uh, the, the biblical story is when Ismail was born, even though Ibrahim was very old, he said in Hebrew, the words are Yashma'il. Yashma'il means God listens. Meaning, I prayed for a child, and God gave me a child, even though I'm in such an old age. And Yishmael became Yishmael, his name, and from it we get Isma'il, meaning literally "semi Allah." Allah listens. Right? That, that that literally became his name. So now we get to the story that the family of Imran, and um, it's uh, it would be interesting reading for you. It's kind of a shocking read, almost like a novel you're reading. Uh, it's called the Inf- Infancy Gospel of James. It's not considered part of the Bible, but an important document nonetheless. It's the only one that describes the birth of Mary, all the way to the birth and times of, of Jesus. Okay, in and, and some detailed account. So once again, it's called the, the Infancy Gospel of James. And I'll give you the, my version of it, <laughs> my version of the Gospel. Uh, again, it's not considered part of the Bible, but when I read it, I was like, What? This is crazy! That's crazy! <laughs> How do they say this stuff? But I'll tell you the story because I want you to know. Before the Christians heard these ayat, what was going? What, what did they know? What were they thinking about the story of Isa as-Salam and Maryam salamun alayhi. So basically, you have this man uh, whose name is uh, Joachim, uh, Joachim, and he's a very wealthy, generous, uh, you know, uh, man in the community in the Jewish community, and he always gives sadaqah, and he's always, you know, uh, donating towards you know sacrifice and all this other stuff. Uh, sacrificing of the animals and things, and some, you know, priests come and tell him. Some basically scholars of Judaism come and tell him, "You don't have a child, and if you don't have a child, you're not furthering the legacy of the children of Isma'il or Isra- Israel, and therefore you're not allowed to give ch- charity." So they got jealous of him, and they made him feel like he's not, he's, he doesn't have a blessed family because he doesn't have, ch- doesn't give charity. So he got upset because his wife hadn't been able to bear a child for a long time. And so he got so upset that he went out in the desert, set up a tent in the desert and just started worshipping Allah and said, Allah will feed me, Allah will give me food, God will give me, and until he gives me a sign, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to come back because I don't, Allah didn't give me a child. And this, this is how the story goes. We don't have stories like this in Quran and Sunnah, but they have them, right? How uh, having children is so important that he just left his wife and his wife started crying and started saying, I, I, I lament to God over two things. I don't have, a, I, I'm a widow, even though my husband's alive and I'm childless. And then she got. She actually, after he had left, she realized that she's actually pregnant. She's super happy. And then you know he comes back, and then he starts giving all kinds of charity. And then you know she eventually has a child, and it's a girl. That's Mary. That's Maryam. So here she's called the wife of Imran. Imran. Uh, Imran is not used as his name. And he started. He gave more than anybody else to build the masjid, or to to serve, right? So Quran uses instead of using his name, uses the word Imran. And some of our ulama said, no, 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 the Christians got it wrong, his name is not Imran, or his name is not Joachim. his name is Imran, Allah is correcting the Christians. Allahu alam. I would argue actually, no, Allah is using a title for him. That he's, he was playing the role of building the masjid or donating more than anyone else, and that's why Allah associated him with Imran. And the other reason it's it's important to do that is because Allah is now going to finally give to him what Allah gave to Imran, meaning Imran was given a child who was given Torah. And he's now being given a child, Maryam, whose child is now going to be given Torah and Injil. So it's the start of Torah and it's the end of Torah and Injil. It's the opening and closing of the revelation history of the Israelites. So it's Imran's family legacy completed, which is why the name is being used. So it's also important, you know, because the Christians are being talked to, if you open up a number of the, the books of the Bible, they begin with genealogy. So for example, Anglicanurviate mentions, it is certainly no mere coincidence that the Gospel according to Matthew also begins with matters of genealogy, more precisely with two different genealogies, while the first one mentions David and Abraham as the progenitors of Jesus, meaning the, the, the ancestors of Jesus are mentioned in the beginnings of the Bible. This is the section that's talking to the Christians, and it began with Adam, Nuh, family of Abraham, family of you know, Imran, genealogy, and then the guidance. So they, they, it resonates with them in the way that they, even though that's written by people. It's not, it's not a book of Allah. The books of the Bible, they're, they're documented by people. But regardless, they are familiar with learning in this way. And Allah used the style that they're familiar with and used it in the Qur'an. And they're like, oh, because of genealogy too. Oh, okay, I'm familiar with this. And it, it kind of puts the guard down again. Now, uh, the, the, the next piece of this, um, the, the, the story. So she has this child and then Zakaria alayhi you know, she dedicates this. Everybody's happy that this child is born, and because this was the most generous and, and most righteous man in the community, and so they they're dedicating this child to the service of Allah, even though she's a girl. Everybody's okay with it. By the time she turns twelve, there's a convention, there's a meeting of the scholars and the priests. They say, well, we can't have her in the temple because she'll desecrate the temple because she's a female. She can't be there. So they make an exception from her because of Zachariah's suggestion. They build a special quarter for her. She's living there until 16. Then when her menses come in, they say, well, we can't have her here. This is their version. We can't have her here. She has to go. So we should marry her off. So they did some kind of a ritual and they they decided that this man named, uh, this is about Maryam now, who's 16 years old. They say, well, this man named uh, Joseph, uh, we've chosen him to marry her. And this man was old. And he was already married. He also had a couple of kids, grown. So they came to him and said, You should marry Maryam. He said, She's 16. I'm an old guy. Everybody's going to laugh at me. I'm not doing this. I'll be the laughing stock of the Israelites, according to the infancy gospel. I'll be the laughing stock of the Israelites. And they said, Well, okay, if you can't marry her, at least take risk. Because, you know, we've all prayed and your name has come up. So we know you have to take care of her. So you take what the Arabic term is kafala you become her kafil, you become her guardian, because we can't keep her in the temple anymore. Keep her as a virgin, keep her sacred, don't marry her, but you're still responsible for her. You're basically her wali, her kafil. So he brings her into his house. And he says, you stay here, I do a lot of construction work, I'm gonna be gone building homes for some time, but you're you're welcome to stay here, because the temple has given me, the masjid has ordained me to be your guardian. So you, you, know, you be here and you be good. Okay, he goes away, in the meantime, the angel comes to uh, to Mary and tells her that she's gonna have a baby and she says, no man has touched me and he says, it doesn't matter, God has decided you know, that the, the one that will save the Israelites from their sins is going to be in your womb and so she gets pregnant and as she's, her belly is swelling, she's getting bigger and bigger it's, you know, she starts getting worried about what's gonna happen what are people gonna say anybody who asks, she says, no man has touched me this is from God, this is from the God of the Israelites and then uh, Joseph finally comes back and he comes back and he's like, "What have you done? What are people going to say? I'm, I was supposed to guard this, you know, this virgin, and this was a sacred duty given to me. And you know, the same thing that happened to Adam and the serpent got to Eve. Well, the serpent got to you." And he compares that that story. And says, what 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 kind of woman are you? How can you have been in the service of God's house all this time? And you have done this, you should be ashamed of yourself. And he's like, what should I do? I can't go and tell them that I got her pregnant. Because that men, men, means I'm messed up. And if I go and report her as she's committed zina, then an innocent child will be killed. I can't do that either. I don't know what to do. So he decides to take her away out of town into a cave somewhere. And so he takes Mary into this cave. And now she's about to, and when they're riding on the camel, she says, I'm about to give birth on the way to the cave. So he hurries her into the cave, sits her there, finds some stranger and says, I need your help. Some midwife, you need to give help, give birth to this child. And so they go into this cave and she's giving birth to the child and the entire cave fills up with light and the lady who says, whose child is this? And she says, Mary still says, I swear no man has ever touched me. And she says, I don't believe you. And she gave her a physical exam and says, you're right, no man has ever touched you. I don't know what that means. But then, God, and I'm like, what is this? So anyway, and then then her, her name is, um, I forget, Salome, uh, uh, Salome or something like that, that woman's name. And then God speaks to Salome and says, you're, you know, you have been blessed to deliver a child that will save all of, the Israelites from their sins and she's like, how blessed I am that I saw this miracle of light and all of this and this is how he's born and then in the meantime, the king Herod saw, you know, like Fir'aun saw a dream that a child will come to threaten his kingdom. Herod sees a dream that, you know, a child is born that is going to be a prince and he's worried about this prince so he's going around asking Who's, whose, whose child is this? that needs to be killed, and he's asking for Zakaria for his son, and you know, where did you keep your son, and interrogations happening. This is basically the story, I'm ju- giving you the juicy parts, <laughs> that are like, whoa, what is this? This is what they believe happened. Now we, well, the Quran comes and tells a completely different story. Completely, and by the way, at the end of that story, you know what it says? This is James, I told this story at this time, and I decided to record this story, you know, as I understood it, or whatever. He puts a disclaimer at the end, this is from me. It's not the word of Allah, this is my word. He put that disclaimer at the end. And that's the key that I wanted to cite for you. Allah is telling the story from whose point of view? His own. His own. Not the history according to, the Bible according to Matthew, according to, you know, according to James, according to this, according to that. This is what happened according to Allah. Now, Western scholars will say the Qur'an has a retelling of the story. We say the Qur'an has the actual telling of the story. nahada lahu al-kasasul haq. This is in fact what really happened. You know, to know what really happened, you'd have to be there. And the only one who actually was there is Allah, who's still a living witness to what happened then. <laughs> right? So when he tells the story, this is what actually happened. This is the confidence with which the Quran tells the story. When the wife of Imran, when the woman of Imran, Imratu Imran, why is she being called again Imratu Imran? Even though she's the wife of Joachim, because he plays the role of Imran. Okay? When the wife of Imran, Said, Rabbi Inni batni Master, I am dedicating whatever is in my belly, whatever boy or girl, it doesn't matter, whatever's in my belly, I dedicate to you uh, as a nazar. The word nazar is being used. "Mayajibu fil jarahat min diyat. The word nazar is used when you owe someone a penalty because you hurt them. Like you know, in nowadays, if you owe somebody money because they want a lawsuit against you, that would be another. Damages owed to somebody because of harm you afflicted, right? The penalty you have to pay. That's called nadr. The Iraqis used to call it arsh. Li qibala fulanin nadr. This was used in the sense that somebody owes me money because they damaged me, they, they hit me on the head or whatever. This is why the word was even used. Specific damages were uh, dedicated by Umar, عنه, Uthman, and anhu In their era, for different damages that were done, they used to call it nadr also. Right, so if, if somebody's head injury broke a bone or something like that, there's a specific amount that you oh, they, they they oh they they set these prices on al The الابن يجعله أبواه قيماً للكنيسة أو المتعبد من ذكر أو <laughs> is used for a boy or girl that has been dedicated to the service of a temple or a church by the parents. Um, sometimes we do this in South Asia. I don't I haven't seen this done anywhere else really. We do it. Uh, you know, this this child I'm gonna dedicate to just becoming a hafiz or this child is just gonna become servant of the... If, especially if they're born with some kind of a deficiency, then definitely dedicate... This one's for... Allah wala Right? Yalla ki kardiya. Right? So this is another to, to Allah. But they, they don't do it before the birth, they do it after the birth. A, this, there's an issue, okay, now I'll give it to Allah. You know, so... Uh, it's a disgusting practice, by the way. Al-ma'na al-mihwari... <tabi'at, <aw> min <luzumaha> the, the overall meaning of the word is something that you owe, or and you fear if you don't pay it that there's going to be damages. Okay, that's basically the meaning of nadr is something owed, and there's a fear that if I don't pay it, there's going to be consequences. Okay, and from it came al ijabu shayin al-nafsi to make to mandate something on yourself that is supposed to actually originally be voluntary. But you voluntarily imposed on yourself that you're going to do this. Ya Allah, if you get me married to this person, I will fast for 40 straight days or something. I don't know how that works, but whatever. If you did that, then fasting 40 straight days was not mandatory on you. But since you talked to Allah and said you're imposing it on yourself, it became wajib on you. Now it's held against you. Okay. So, وَمَا نَذَرْتُمْ مِن نَذْرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُهُ وَمَا مِنْ أَنصَارٍ Whatever you spend, whatever whatever oath you make to Allah, that I'm imposing it on myself, Allah knows it. Don't play around with it. Don't just say, ah, just kidding. No, later. Don't, don't do that. So, don't even get into it. Because the at the end of that ayah in Surah Al Baqarah, Wa mali min ansar, wrongdoers don't get any helpers. So, don't mess with Allah and make these promises. Sadaqatan, aw ibadatan, aw غَيْرِهَا Anytime you make a dedication like that as an act of sadaqah or ibadah or anything else, when nadira and nadira is what actually that you give. So what we're going, what she is giving Allah is whatever child she has will be dedicated to the service. There were some people that were just khuddam of the house; they were just there to do nothing else. They were just going to study the book of Allah and teach the book of Allah and worship Allah, and that's all they were going to do. So this is the the that she made. Fatakabbil minni, then accept it from me. So, you'll notice here, there's an emphasis on women. The father has been mentioned, but really the one talking is the mother. And the father should be deciding what should happen with the child. He's the guardian, he's the provider. But actually, who's making the dedication? The mother is making the dedication. And then of course, what is born is a girl, right? And for all this time, you know, for the Israelites especially, lineage is from the father. Lineage comes from the father and the father is who is important. Allah is removing that from the equation and saying to Allah, actually the real lineage is faith. And gender is irrelevant. And in a sense, he actually even honored that people can be from the family of Imran, meaning the family of the prophethood of Musa a.s. Even if they're a girl and they're about to have a child, that's still part of the family of Imran. That's still part of the same legacy. You would think, you know, when a girl gets married or a girl has a child, then the child's identity only belongs to the one that gave the, the, the father who gave the name. But the, the, the lineage of Iman is different. The lineage of Iman is actually for both genders. And Allah opened that up really beautifully by describing the wife of Imran and then later on, Maryam salamun alayha. So, inni nazartu laka ma fi batni Muharrar is an important word. عتيقاً. خالصاً لطاعتك لا أصرفه في حوائجي. Someone who is uh, حرية in Arabic means freedom, right؟ تحرير رقبة, to free a neck. That's the master used in the Quran. محرر is the ism مفروض. What it means? Whatever is born of me is going to be set free. Set free from what؟ from all other obligations. This child will not have to worry about where the food is coming from. This child will not have to worry about where the clothes are coming from. Anything, The only worry they will ever have is worshipping you and serving you and, and teaching your scripture. That's it. That's the only thing that I want them to do. Every other expense we'll take care of. Muharrara. You know, this idea of tahrir, I've seen it happen in some families. I knew a young man, I won't mention because he'll get embarrassed. I knew a young man in some country that shall not be named. Uh, that uh, brilliant... Memorizer of Quran, brilliant reciter of the Quran, brilliant, student of the Deen, like photographic memory, a brilliant teacher. Like he's just talented, and his family's multimillionaires. They're you know they're all kinds of businesses, and they saw that this kid is just he's just special. He's just he's got this talent, so they pulled him out of the businesses. You're gonna study Islam full time, and your house and your family and your account or whatever. You don't ask where You just take care of your needs. We're not gonna, you know, he doesn't wait for a paycheck, he doesn't do any of that. When he travels, he just says, I need to go here to do this da'wah thing, and the family just does it. And, and he doesn't live a lavish life, he lives a very simple life, and by his own insistence. But the point is, people in this family decided that he should be muharrar. Like he, they see in him something that serves Allah's deen, so he should be muharrar. And th- that's an important lesson here, I know I'm taking way over my time, but it, th- this idea of tahrir is important because nowadays you have people that say, hey, I want to do Islamic work, can you make me muharrar? <laughs> can you pay for my education? Can you sponsor me in this? Can you cover all of my expenses? Because I'm going to do Islamic work. I'm going to do da'wah work, that's why. Can you you know, get me a business class ticket? Can you, uh, can you put me up in this hotel? Because I, I need to be muharrar. Dude, You don't decide that. You don't choose yourself and nominate yourself as someone so worthy of Allah's deen service that others should, you know, go fund me. (laughs) Uh, Hold on a second. How are you, you know, that's actually a a form of self-righteousness that we should be aware of. When your service is so powerful and so recognized that you yourself were people came to you and said you know what you need to stop doing what you're doing just do this don't worry about that pull yourself away you need to focus on this that's when that's your muharrar not mutaharrir <laughs> it's an for a for a reason and if your family decided that like your family can do that your family can say you're nominated you're gonna do this we want you to do this this is all I want you to do you know uh, there are some remarkable scholars around the world. Remarkable people around the world whose families doing this for them. Their their family supporting them because they they see them as muharrar. But don't de- declare yourself muharrar. Don't do that. Don't ask anybody else for money to do, you know, uh, for for your own thing. If you can stand on your own feet to the best of your ability, do it. You know, to do it. And I've seen it, unfortunately. And I've actually even, people came to me and said, Can you sponsor my education and this, that, and the other? And I did. I said, Okay. I hadn't really thought about this much and I didn't want to give them this talk, but I, I, you know, somebody's motivated to do it. And guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. They disappear into some this, that, or the other. Why? Because the, the, when you start from the wrong foot, and you start in the, they take the first wrong step, then you can't just recalibrate later on. You, you have to start from the right place. You know. You, I'm reminded of the late Dr. Asar Ahmed, medical doctor, a successful medical doctor. And his family basically told him, and he told his family, I'm not doing this anymore, I can't. I just got to do what Allah has given me a gift in. Millions of people affected by his work and he just left his career behind my teacher dr abdul sami my my arabic teacher was a dentist and he has a couple of daughters his family to provide for and like responsibilities but just an absolutely incredible teacher just a really remarkable teacher and just he was just pulled away from it like it's not even you decided it's just this, this tsunami comes and takes you and just says you're going to do this work and she, before the child's even born, says, I'm not even going to let my child see the other side of the life. This is the only life she'll know. <laughs> then accept it from me. Notice, interestingly, she didn't say accept from her. Except from me. Because you can't control anybody else. First and foremost. You could dedicate and serve someone else and help someone else, but that doesn't mean they'll do what is is needed more than anything else, Ya Allah. Make me accept me. And by the way, if you accept me, automatically she's included. Why? Because if she's truly muharrar, and if she's truly another, and you accepted all of that, then you won't let my another go to waste. And you won't let her Tahrir go to waste. So just accept from me. فَتَقَبَّلْ minni, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ And by the way, kubul also, uh, an implication, a spiritual implication of that is, when Allah accepts someone, then they become acceptable to others. قُبُول from Allah is قُبُول of people around you. And understand that the قُبُول of Allah doesn't work the same way the قُبُول of people works. Meaning the when Allah accepts someone, and when people accept someone, sometimes it's two different things. Sometimes what happens is, in their own lifetime, nobody accepted them. But because Allah accepted them, their acceptance lasted many generations after that. The people who insulted them, the people who put them down disappeared, and their honor outlived all of them for centuries and centuries. What happened with Maryam herself? Humiliated in her lifetime. Humiliated. Accused. And what happens with her thereafter? Honored until judgment day. Right? So the, when Allah gives qubul, His qubul is much bigger than what a human being can ever give. He, he gives that acceptability that's much wider. And we Allah, ask Allah that He accepts all of us. So she begs Allah, accept from me and accept wholly from me. Iqbal minni, that's the mujarrad you know, form, taqabbal, the form. Accept holy from me. You are the ultimate one who hears everything, knows everything. Inna ka anta as al alim. Like I was mentioning before, these two words, these two names of Allah occur, especially when du'as about the future, about lineage, about offspring occur. You'll find these names occur. Uh, may Allah accept our du'as from us, and may Allah help us identify people that should be muharrar that Should be dedicated to the service of Allah's deen and support them in whatever way we can. Barakallahu li wa Quran al Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyakum bil ayati wa al Hakim. A number of texts in the Eastern Church present Mary as belonging to the lineage of Harun. That's also an important note that Mary belongs to the lineage of Harun alayhi Why is that important? Quran will later on call her what? Ya ukhta Harun. It's going to pick up from that tradition that is known to them and their scholars. Whereas, uh, you know, especially in Surah Ali Imran. The two stories of Zakaria, or rather the story of Maryam and Zakaria, and then and Musa alaihim <laughs> are been fused together, and the way this fuse, fusion has happened is actually very similar to the Gospel of Luke. So it's picking up from the Gospel of Luke and then you know correcting that narrative. So those are the few other Christian undertones that I wanted to make sure you guys are aware of. Barakallahu alaikum <laughs> sallam alaikum